0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Nationwide to the Ron Seggi Show from Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. And we have a very special show this week. Last weekend, we lost one of the giants in the business, Johnny Carson. And we're going to repeat a show that we have done earlier with Ed McMahon, Doc Severinsen, and myself, reminiscing about the days of Ed and Doc and Johnny on The Tonight Show. And we're going to run that our very first hour in tribute to to the great Johnny Carson, who we lost one week ago. Then next hour, we have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. going to be joining us on the program. Kelly Perdue will be here. Kelly Perdue, by the way, is the latest winner of NBC's The Apprentice. And then a gentleman by the name of Josh Bernstein, who is host of a TV show on the History Channel called Digging for the Truth, all coming up the next two hours. But our first hour is Ed McMahon and Doc Severinsen with a tribute to Johnny. Back and we're live nationwide on the Ron Segy Show from Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. And uh, I have to tell you something. I don't want to get too syrupy here, but I, I must tell you that our next hour here is going to be uh, unbelievable for this guy. Uh, I, like millions of people across the country, have missed the team of Johnny... Ed and Doc, and of course, probably the most frequent question asked to people uh, like Paul McCartney and uh, Ringo Stars: will the Beatles ever get together again? And I'm sure that question comes up with our next two guests. And the question is, will the threesome ever get back together again? And the answer probably is no. But I'm proud to have two parts of that threesome with us on our show right now.
1: Well, we did have something, Ron, you know, that you're aware of, because we were at the Orleans Hotel, A little while ago. Not that long ago. And the two of us were on stage. We had the big band, Doc's an incredible, wonderful big band. Sixteen of the greatest musicians ever gathered and in one building. And everybody was there. And I, as you know, I always carry my wallet with a picture of Johnny in the wallet. But for this engagement, I really went all out. I had a beautiful gold medallion made of Johnny's likeness, I, what I did was I took the front of it, a shot from the front of him on one side, and then I turned it over, and it was a shot from the back. It was so <laughs> cute the way I had it. Yeah. Well that, anyway, Doc? Okay. Yes, that, I do. I guess I don't have to introduce <laughs> Doc uh, and
0: Ed
2: now. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, what, what Ed fails to mention is we, we were a smash. That's right. Oh, yeah, I know that. At Orleans Hotel. <laughs> we were.
1: They want us we back tore that.
2: We tore
0: that place up. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. want us back. Yeah. And, and the nice part about it was, like no time had lapsed from the last time that you guys yeah. were together. That was,
1: was was amazing to me. And I think, Doc, we kind of talked about that. We just fell in, you know, like two Marine buddies that learn how to play Marine Corps, do the war, whatever. They got together again. They were right there. We were at at battle station immediately, and it was wonderful. I mean, just on radio shows like this. We had the repartee was back the banter the whole fun it was just hey, you really don't uh, need me I'm just kind of I can't <laughs> I can't add any conductor anything. I can't add anything oh yes to this. you can I yeah. we,
0: have, we I, I failed to mention the beginning here that you have some affectionate names for one another Golden Throat and Tiffany
1: Lips yes I guess think? which one is which Ed <laughs> <laughs> no. is Tiffany Lips i let, let, let me tell you something <laughs> Tiffany Lips I've got to introduce a bit. A couple of nights ago, and I'm talking about W. C. Fields. Now, as many times have, have I said the word W, the phrase W. C. Field, I kept stumbling. I not only stumbled once, and he had a glass of wine for me. I stumbled once. I took a sip of wine. I still stumbled. Stumbled. I was instead of that night golden throat or Tiffany lips. I was sponge lips. It was the worst thing in the world. Well, that was a great show. It was a great laugh,
0: though. Uh, but
2: yeah, was and, and you couldn't convince anybody in the audience that you weren't doing that on purpose. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you know, it, it's funny when I when I was talking to someone backstage, and they said they talked about the camaraderie, and said, yeah. "You know, th- these guys really didn't rehearse this." And I said, "They've, they've been rehearsing this for thirty years." Are you <laughs> kidding me? You know, I mean, this is a this is a relationship that's made in heaven. You know. I, I sit back you know, about a month ago, and I'm looking at the calendar, and I'm thinking to myself that, that you've been yeah. out of the air. It yeah. really doesn't. And uh, you know, and, and with all due respect to everybody else that has followed in those footsteps, these, th- this is a part of television and entertainment history that has never been repeated. It will never be repeated. Thirty years is a long time. How did you guys keep it fresh? I mean, night after night. I mean, it, if you look at – I mean, you didn't look at any show that looked like you didn't have fun.
1: Well, I'll tell you what I did. Doc will tell you what he did, but I, but I need Doc to tell you for what I did. I, had, I would always go see Johnny about seven minutes before the show, before I went down to do the warm-up. So I, I did that show with the London flu. I did it with the Asian flu, with the Hong Kong. Whatever the flu was named, I did it with that <laughs> flu because I didn't want to miss a show. My gig was you couldn't miss a show. And over the 30 years, I only missed, through some kind of illness, five shows which is pretty good. Excellent. Yeah. So anyway, I did it any kind of condition. And even though what you did, I may have done that day 20 commercials. You know, whatever it was I did that day, I might be tired. I would see Johnny. I would have a lot of laughs with him. Then I'd go down to do the warm-up. And before I came out, Doc, they introduced Doc, and he played with that orchestra. And that's all I needed to hear. I heard Doc and that band. And I'll tell you, I could have been down in the depths of the dungeon I rose to the top of the Empire State Building and he used to introduce me. You know, give him give him that intro. That's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, I can't remember. That's that's right? how I did it. Yeah. Refresh me. All right, he's just, here he is. He's going to show you and tell you everything about this show if he's not too stoned to remember. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. I did say yeah, that. That's right. <laughs> I called him. I also used to call him Ed, Arrhenius. Ed Arrhenius. I don't know yeah. where that came from. <laughs> and, 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 and here he is, old Golden Throne. Yeah. <laughs> Doc, where did the outfits come from? When I started uh, being the conductor on the show, I've been in the band before that. And of right. course, the guys in the band wear dark blue suits and... And inoffensive ties, you know, just, <laughs> just be there, that's all. And uh, all of a sudden I had to think, wow, I can't go out there in that same old thing. And I'd always been a sort of a rebellious type, you know. Being a, a very lightweight <clears throat> kid in a in a cowboy community, you you got to make up for it in some way. And I was always kind of like a, a, a hell raiser. And looking for trouble all the time.
1: And Doc was the first man brave enough to wear pink. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the
2: first day that I, I was the band leader, I was walking up Park Avenue, and I saw some wild ties in a window. So I went in. I said, well, no matter what I'm wearing, I'm wearing one of those ties. And uh, that night, Johnny, just he spotted that tie and went for it like a tiger goes for a pound of hamburger. <laughs> and uh, And then it led to something else and something else. And then about the time you had the the Beatles, the clothing revolution, the sure. long hair, yeah. and all of that stuff, and I just fell right into that. Yeah. I was I was uh, looking to rebel. Well, you know, <laughs> one of the classic lines, and
0: obviously we can't use it on the year. Maybe we can. Was the night that it was an anniversary show, and you had on a tux. Oh and, yes. And Johnny had a tux, and you had on a t-shirt with a big heart on it. Yes. Henry. <laughs> yes. So you no know more. We, we, yeah, know we know where we're going with <laughs> that.
1: You look uh, nice, Ed, but Johnny has, I mean, Ed, but Doc has a...
0: Yes, mm. absolutely. <laughs> Doc, when, when you uh, found out that Skitch was leaving, were you the first in line for that? No. no uh,
2: uh, Milton Delug, wonderful gentleman, came in and took over the band, and he was there about a year. I was still doing concerts with Johnny, you know, live concerts. And um, one day his manager at that time said, uh, you know, Johnny, been thinking about it, and he wants you to come in. He wants someone that he's more familiar with and feels comfortable with. And so it was one of those things that we'll try it for 13 weeks and see how it
1: goes. Yeah, and it went well.
2: It did. It really did, did. But I have to tell you, as many times as I had led the band subbing for Skitch Henderson before that, it didn't prepare me for doing it every night. Yeah. I mean, the amount of uh, mental energy and emotional energy that went into that show was pretty intense, don't well, you think? I
1: think so. I'm going to tell you a story that I've told kind of many times, but it so, it's so identifies the three of us working together. One night, Johnny comes out, and he has a piece of material at the desk. And usually he'd do the monologue, and then we'd sit down, and we'd have that little section. We used to call it the five-spot the five spot was the fifth thing in order, and we just called it the five spot. So the five spot was some material. It had about six or seven sheets of paper with jokes, and he was reading these jokes. And he did about five jokes, and it was going nowhere. It was disaster city right in the dumper, and he knew it. I knew it. The audience knew it. So I just bravely picked up his lighter lit it put it under the material and set fire to it now i don't know whether he's got some dynamite jokes coming up you know might be you know there's a few bad ones but i'll get to one in a minute that's where you'd normally set up a routine but i didn't care i said i'm going to set fire so i set fire to the material now he's holding it and you know one of those great carson takes he looks at me he looks back at the material it's burning in his hands he hasn't moved his hand (laughs) it's burning he said. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Almost like Laurel and Hardy, you know. You're absolutely right. And he reaches down, gets the wastepaper basket. It's still burning in his hand. It's charcoal. He lifts it up, takes it up with a flourish, like a uh, Laurel and Hardy. Right on top. Just as he's dropping it in the wastepaper basket, he starts playing taps. oh Now you can't write no, no, that. You can't. Can't rehearse it. No, can't rehearse it. You can't even think of it. But I mean, it, and the audience knew that just happened first time ever in the world yeah. right at that moment
0: see and that's the problem with television today especially with the sitcoms they'll go back and they'll say well you know we didn't get that angle right let's recapture that and you can't recapture that no, kind of no, spontaneity no. it just doesn't work we're going to pause for just a quick session sure. our very special guest ed mcmahon doc severinson talking about the great tonight show and we'll be back with more live nationwide on the ron Seggi show from universal studios florida we're back we're live nationwide i'm ron Seggi, our guest ed mcmahon doc severinson Tiffany Lips, Golden Throat. We're talking about. <laughs>
1: the, uh,
0: I'm getting into the groove here I'll now. You, you well, that's good. And, and you can't have better company than these two guys. And gosh, you know, I can still think back to the, you know, the first show. Groucho Marx was the first cast,
1: wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he spoke. He did the first 15 minutes because uh, the show used to start at 11:15. If you can believe it. The 11 o'clock news in those days, 1962, only lasted 15 minutes. The local 11 o'clock news was 15 minutes. There wasn't much news back in those days. No, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) The world's gotten bigger. That's right. The world is in in more trouble. In more trouble. But at 11.15, Doc didn't, I mean, Doc, I keep calling Johnny Doc. I don't know why. Johnny didn't want to come out and not have the whole network. The whole network didn't come aboard until 11.30. Right. So Groucho Marx came out, sat on that what became the world-famous desk, just sat on an angle and just did a monologue for 15 minutes. And it was just beautiful to hear Groucho Marx in an ad-lib stream of consciousness just talking. And then I did the famous, you know, here's Johnny, and out he came. But then he interviewed, you know, Groucho was was the first guest. But the lineup that night was pretty impressive. You know, they didn't want to take any chances the first night. Here were the guest list. Tony Bennett, okay, Mel Brooks, Rudy Valley, who then was a major star, Joan Crawford, and Groucho Marx. But were there any names on the show? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Just me. (laughs) I was the only only name. But,
0: you know, when you think back to the early days, an hour and a half every night, but you guys did the warm-up before the show and on the air, too, on subsequent evenings. right? Yeah,
1: well, Doc came back, and there was another thing we used to do, uh, and we just ad-libbed this one night, and again, the audience has got to visualize this, uh, now, what is common, what they call freak dancing, you know, the, what they call this the, the rage with the kids, freak dancing, where there's a lot of uh, a pelvic movement, you know what yes, I'm talking yes, about? Yes, yes, And there's a lot of what they used to call bump and grind in the old burlesque days, bump and grind. Well, Doc used to come out and lead the band with that. So I would say there's the great Doc Severance, as you notice, he has a very unusual way of leading the band. He does not use... A baton. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> but we had all that shtick before we ever got to Johnny. That was all part of my warm-up. I did about a five-minute monologue, and I used the band. You know, I would look over, and I'd say, and ladies and gentlemen, look at him back there, Tommy Newsome. Now, Tommy Newsom, when he was real excited, he looked like he was asleep. And I'd look, and I'd say, there's our man on a lot of the arrangements. He uh, leads the band when Doc can't be here. I said, there's Tommy Newsom." The man that did so much for Brown. Brown <laughs> and
0: <laughs> You had a great story that one night, Ed was off, and uh, the the Thanksgiving
1: day. Oh, I was I mean, doing the parade one. in New oh, York, gosh, yeah. Well, I'll way.
2: tell you, though, uh, I was thinking, since we've been uh, uh, working, we worked that date in, in Vegas, it made me think back to the very first time that the producer at that time, Rudy Tellez, came to me, and he says... Uh, Ed is not going to be here. I don't know if it was that night, or, but it was imminent. And so I feel that uh, it would be good for you to step over there and fill in for Ed. And I tried my best to talk about it. I mean really? Listen to my voice, for heaven's <laughs> sakes. I don't have a, I don't have a voice. And, but he said, well, you're here every night. Johnny's familiar with you. You have to do it. And I want to tell you. I have never known terror like I did when I heard <laughs> <clears throat> our band without me in front of them like, ba da, da 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 going, and I <clears throat> had to say, "And now, ladies and gentlemen, from New York City, it's the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and now here's Johnny." And I mean to I tell never you, heard you do that. I was terrified.
1: Oh, that's funny.
2: And you know, when, you, when you're terrified, you're your voice tense and your voice goes, goes up, up four up octaves.
0: More, or, even yeah. more than it is. The classic story, though, that night was that Johnny invited you to his house
2: for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, kind and, of. Yeah, it wasn't. Kind of. Got, but, it was like
1: one of those left handed yeah. invitations. It, well, it,
2: you know, it, the deal was that. <laughs> that I was without wife and without family at that time. Or companion. Yes, I had no companion, so to speak. I had always wanted lasagna, and I was looking forward to a very lonely lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm filling in for Ed, and I know Ed is off. With a large family and a group of friends having
1: turkey. And how do you make You make I, it with a brandy sauce. Yeah, so I, I thought, no, Kavassi, half a bottle of Cavassier in the dressing. Right, let me give see, you my you see, scene. Now you see why I was the way I all was. All right. So now let me give I you mean? my scene so it'll just counterbalance how you felt. All right. I did the parade. Went back to Lowell, Massachusetts, kind of my hometown when I grew up, to Aunt Mary's house. And I had my family with me, and then all my other relatives came to Aunt Mary's house <laughs> for Thanksgiving dinner. Now, did you know any Aunt Mary's of those days? I had an Aunt Mary. <laughs> yeah, where was she? Uh, she was uh, in jail on that
2: particular day. They wouldn't even let her out for the holidays. <laughs> exactly where did I lose control of this? <laughs> When you said from yeah. Universal Studios,
0: <laughs> in the beginning, <laughs>
1: well,
2: anyway, we well, we're telling the story because well, it's very—it's the funniest—it's you know, maybe
1: the funniest bit ever on the show, really. So you know, Johnny says,
2: I mean, he starts off said something like, uh, "So, where are you going for Thanksgiving?" And that got me. Yeah, and it started, and uh, <laughs> but you know the thing about Johnny, he, he could he could write while he was talking. And it was like he could lead you into anything. And And he got you that night. He got you that night. And the line
1: that night, he said, well, he says, will your ex-wife be having Thanksgiving dinner? And he he says, of course she will. Of course she will. He says, well, what will she be doing? He says, she'll be stuffing the turkey with money. (laughs) (laughs)
2: And I heard from my ex-wife's attorney about the next day. Oh, yes. Really? Said, please yeah. cease and desist yeah. all of that oh, we banter to, on the yeah, Tonight Yeah, we used to get show.
1: that, you know, from the attorneys. Uh, no more jokes about the uh, ex-wives. Well, well, there were a lot of ex-wives amongst the three. Well, there were, there were, between <laughs> the three of us, lot there of were phone calls. Was a lot, <laughs> <There> <laughs> a lot were, of attorneys. Uh, let me just put it accurately for you. Between the three of us, there were ten little Indians. Ten little Indians. And as far as we're concerned, there will be no more <laughs> Indians because we can't afford to feed the Indian nation. <laughs>
0: The <laughs> What about a memorable moment? Now, Ed and I have talked about this before yeah. with the great George Gobel line. Okay. Oh yeah, but, that was a great yeah. Uh, the whole head. world's a tuxedo and you're a pair of brown
1: shoes. That's a great night. John Davidson went on there one night, and forgot all the words, everything, didn't he? Well, he, yeah. no, he had a, he had a speaker problem. As I remember, wasn't it a speaker problem? He kicked uh, the speaker. Oh, speaking, speaking, I don't know, but but the
2: sunny atmosphere and the the rosy complexion so- suddenly dropped, and here was this very angry guy.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? But, but I think it was yeah. a speaker problem. But, you know? Yeah.
2: It, he was. And he was, kicked
1: the speaker. You know. That was the only night we did a repair. In my history, that's the only night. Some nights we would take, we'd be busy in surgery. You know, we'd take out little snippets (laughs) if somebody said something that later on they would not be too pleased with. Uh, Fred DeCordova was so sophisticated. If he heard something going on, he figured, they're not going to like this. He'd put a clock on it, and he'd time that, how long, and then take it off. Then they'd run the show those extra seconds. So that when they took it out, it would still come in at one hour. That didn't happen very often, and I never, I don't remember.
0: We're going to pause for a second. You guys know what that's all about. Our guests, Doc Severinsen and Ed McMahon, and we'll be back with more live coast-to-coast coast on the Ron Sedge Show from Universal Studios Florida. We are back live nationwide on the Ron Sedge Show from Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. This very special show, a tribute to the Tonight Show, our guests, Ed McMahon and Doc Severinsen.
2: And Doc, did you ever have a night when the singer just fell apart on you? I remember one in New York City. uh, There was a young lady vocalist on, and there just had been an article in Time Magazine about the three most promising young female vocalists. Uh, One was Gloria Loring, who went on, you know, was a soap star later on. And a very good singer, by the way. And I can't remember who the other two were, but one of them was on the show. And she chose to sing the theme from The Naked City. If you remember, it's very rangy and a real beautiful Beautiful song song to sing. Well, this girl was extremely nervous. And uh, the band played the introduction, and she, she blew her first thing. She just po- came in on the wrong note, and it was atonal and awful. So our Skitch was the band leader each time, cuts off the band, and we play the intro again. This is all going over the air, by the this way. This is live. And she blew it a second time. We ah. figured, well, she'll get it the second yeah. time man it was even worse and on the third time we played the intro and she started to sing and she ran off the stage literally ran off into the wings in tears and was never heard from again really and that she was a wonderful singer yeah, yeah. but not she, a, but not a she trooper she was a, no. <laughs> definitely not a true person a true <laughs> no Jeez, and that was yeah. live at the time. Yeah. Oh, yes, that, and, and well, that's what we're saying. There yeah. were no, 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 no slices in no. no. But live to tape, really, yeah. you know, that's the
1: way you have it. Well, to yeah, to no, do no. The... Well, all the clocks were set for the real time it was going to air, and we treated it like that. And I remember it was the most surprising thing to me when we would finish the show. We'd do it at 5.30. When we'd finish the show in daylight saving time, the first time you ever walked out at 6.35, and the sun was still so, on. Yeah. You say, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> where did this day go? You know?
2: <laughs> you know, I did the Tonight Show with Steve Allen. We did it live. Yeah. I mean, really live. Yeah. We went on at, well, what is it, 11.15 or 11.30? Yeah. That was in my drinking days. <laughs> and it uh, probably drove you to it. But yeah. And we got off the air at 1 yeah. o'clock in the morning. I used to go next door to a bar where a lot of uh, guys from the New
1: York Times hung out. Yeah. And Sometimes uh, those guys will take a drink. Oh yeah! Oh boy! <laughs> well, I'm telling you, right by the Hudson they'll they show right? a musician how to yeah. drink. Well, Doc, yeah, Doc did, did so well. Doc did Theater. so well at that time that actually he reached his limit and stopped. It was, hey, I had <laughs> enough. Yeah, God said, "You've had enough." You've had yeah. enough. <laughs> there
2: was a, a particular policeman. <laughs> Who told me? He yeah. said, God comes I think, in many forms. Yes. Have you it, ever watched? It was Touched a, by an angel. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, right, you got it. And my angel was that policeman who said, "You really need to think about not doing this anymore because I'm taking you in. Yeah,
0: I, <laughs> I like your playing so much. You're coming with yeah. me." Yeah. <laughs> we have another term for a house yeah. band at that yeah. point. Uh, what what happened, or where were you when you found out that? johnny was going to quit i mean both of you made the comment to me in the past that that you didn't think that johnny would go through the fanfare that he did that he would just one day be driving in from work and say i'm not gonna do this anymore
1: it was yeah. may 1991 mm-hmm. he was in new york at the uh what they call the upfront. you know you know what that is but yeah. for your audience that's a week where all the networks present their bill of fare for starting in the fall it's not a dolly parton story upfront. No, that's the another one. Write that down for the next Never interview. Interrupt anyway, the don't lose a thing. Now. Anyway, the upfront. so they had, you know, CBS does it, ABC. And when NBC did it, to really make it classy, they had a pretty great idea. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they took Carnegie Hall. So what they have is all the agencies, all this, the salespeople, all the executives, you know, from the top Bob Wright on down. They're all in the audience. This is a big thing. Now, every year they would invite Johnny, Johnny would, you know, graciously decline. He wouldn't go to that. But this year he accepted, which was like a big thing. Johnny's going to be at the up front. Wow. So everybody's excited, and they're in Carnegie Hall, and Johnny walks out, does a few little pieces of material, a couple of good jokes, New York City. I saw the you know Statue of Liberty, and her hand was, you know, whatever, and he did the jokes. And then he said, and by the way, folks, next May 22nd, will be my last day hosting The Tonight Show. And Bob Wright was audibly heard saying, he's going to do what? He just yelled it out. And the only one who knew it was Brandon Tartikoff, who was Johnny's real buddy who ran NBC, you know, programming. He was the only one that Johnny had let in on. We didn't know it, you know, because we were still doing the show. Anyway, I heard about it in the car. Johnny Carson announces his retirement next May twenty-second, 1992. That was a very fateful day for me, I'll tell you.
2: Well, and and at the I remember at the time I couldn't quite grasp the reality of that. You got a whole year, and you kind of you, you think, oh well, it's not going to happen. Sure, right? Nettle. It's yeah. not yeah. going to yeah. happen. And uh, about six months before the end, for the last show, was when the, it started to build. It was the most incredible thing. Everybody wanted to be on that show, oh, yeah, and sure. everybody wanted a ticket just to come and see the show. Yeah.
1: That was the hottest ticket? And, it and always I, was the hottest ticket in town. But then it was, you know, and burning Johnny, up.
2: Johnny achieved what he wanted to do. He went out on a high note, and mm-hmm. I mean, really high, because in that last six months, it just got yeah. Better, yeah. And yeah. better and better. And the rating, and, of, and the, the rating intensity outside. built among yeah. everybody working on the show. And uh, the, I remember the last two weeks, everyone was on the verge of tears constantly. Yeah. And um, boy. It just didn't end the way I thought it was going to. It, well, was, it, it was like a death.
1: Yeah, yeah. A real death. Yeah.
0: You know what I really thought was going to happen? I thought the last show he was going to say, I was just fooling you guys. Yeah. You know, I, and, and then that and keep on. you could have been a, a
1: great you know, he had Carson piece. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just fooling you guys, and we're back for another year. And and you were hoping for that. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, I know that the show was there before he came, and I know that the show has been there since he's left,
2: but it's not the same. I think you're right about that. And I'll tell you yeah, something no right now,
0: and I say this... He brought
2: something to that show that no one else ever you know, will.
0: That band isn't the same. That announcer isn't the same. It just isn't yeah. the same. But, uh, you, you know, um, w- one of the things that, that, uh, that I feel, and I, don't, and, I, and I say this sincerely, uh, not because you're here on the show, but I say this sincerely, uh, Johnny Carson obviously is a, is a tremendous talent. But I don't know if he could have done what he did as long and successful without you guys, and I really mean that. Well, that's very nice. Because you know, it takes—it's an ensemble, you know, yeah. and it takes that. Uh, how could he do the Karnak? How could he play off of uh, uh, the band? Yeah. He couldn't have done that with uh, with some of the. Yeah. I mean, it evolved look at the people perfectly today. Perfectly for him, Doc. Give me some thoughts that you have with Johnny Carson and his uh, remarkable talent.
2: Johnny, he had a, something about him that I think he got from Jack Benny. I was just going to say and, oh, that, and it's—it's yeah. uh-huh. it's yeah. the desire. And the ability to integrate those around him into the fabric of the show. You know, remember, like, Phil Harris and Don sure. Wilson?
1: And they'd get a funny line, but the next day, people would say, wasn't Jack Benny funny That's last That's right. Night? Mm-hmm. Now, some one night, I remember one night, Tommy Newsom had the greatest line. That was the hottest line of the whole night. Mm-hmm. And Johnny kept repeating it. You were not there, but Johnny kept saying, whatever it was, you know, he said, well, I want to go, but it's Tuesday. Or Something, Some one of those non-sequitur kind of lines that Johnny, Tommy Newsom would say. And Johnny kept repeating it through the show like he knew. That was the hottest line, right? Now, the next day, people would say, wasn't Johnny Carson funny sure. last night? Sure. Well, Carson, I know what I was doing in Lowell, Massachusetts when I was a kid. I know what was Johnny was doing in Lincoln, Nebraska. We were stretched out on the living room rug on our stomachs, on our elbows, looking at the radio. In the old days, you used to look at the radio, listening to the Jack Benny show. And he absorbed all of that, and so did I. I mean, I grew up, I wanted to be Don Wilson. I wanted to be Jack Benny's announcer in the worst way, and I became Johnny Carson's Don Wilson. The Same, same kind of guy, big, heavy guy, a party guy. You know, I never went to a bad party because I was there. <laughs> 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 and humble. That's right. <laughs> they included me. It had to be a great party. <laughs> and it was, sometimes it was just the two of us. You know,
2: and, and, what, and what you say is true. I, yeah. I I grew up listening to Jack Benny in Arlington, Oregon, and I knew right then that I wanted to be a band leader like Phil Harris. Yes. So yes. I started to drink at the age of four. <laughs>
1: I got it. Ours, over with, knew how to tip upside down a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I I got it over with real <laughs> early, real <laughs> early. Until that
2: cop met you in no, New York. No. Well,
0: I got to tell you a little background. I used to play trumpet for twelve years. Okay. And uh, doing the third trumpet, I mean, it was a bad bad experience. I always wanted to be a trumpet player and an announcer, so you can understand how happy I am to have both of you guys on the show (laughs) today. (laughs) We'll be back with more with Doc Severnson and Ed McMahon on our salute to the Tonight Show on the Ron Segy Show, live nationwide from Universal Studios Florida. Here on the Ron Segy Show, we are live all across the country from Universal Studios. In case you just tuned in, We're doing a tribute this hour to Johnny Carson, who passed away last weekend. Our guest this past hour has been Ed McMahon and Doc Severinsen, part of the trio that made that 30 years of television history possible, along with the king of late night, Johnny Carson. And before we say goodbye to Ed and Doc, uh, I'd like to put my two cents in and tell you the influence that Johnny Carson had on me as a broadcaster and as an entertainer. I think we've heard a lot of people say over the past week the likes of Letterman, Conan O'Brien, Jay Leno, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Ray Romano, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, that uh, Johnny Carson was the person that really gave them the start in their uh, in their business and uh, really made them what they were, huge celebrities. But there's a whole slew of us in this business that were actually affected by the influence that Johnny Carson had. Uh, I remember as a young disc jockey uh, in my teens up in a small city in Pennsylvania, Even at that time, modeling my style of doing my disc jockey show like I was Johnny Carson. I can even remember going out and having shirts made, much like the shirts that Johnny wore back in the early and mid-60s. And it was his whole demeanor that really attracted everybody. I mean... He was like salt and pepper on the dining room table. Uh, You never tired of him. I mean, it's very difficult to be on the air, and originally he was on an hour and a half every evening, five nights a week, and there were times when NBC actually ran reruns of him on Saturday and Sunday when he was on actually seven nights a week. And you would think that someone being on the air that many hours, day after day, would tire on the audience. But he had a unique ability not to tire on you. In fact... You anticipated what he was going to do next, and you actually awaited his next performance. It was a unique situation that is only done, you know, once or twice in a career of an entertainer, and he was one of a kind. David Letterman made the remark that a day doesn't go by without him thinking what Johnny would do in a situation. Well, I'm going to tell you a little secret of mine, okay? Uh, I was a music disc jockey for many years and then went into ownership of radio stations. When I started this talk show here at Universal Studios that was going nationwide some uh, 14 plus years ago, I would sit down at the microphone and I would think to myself, what am I going to say? How am I going to approach this? How is this whole thing going to come off because I was more used to introducing records than I was talking to people in a talk format. And I watched Johnny and I listened to Johnny and of course I had been watching Johnny for many, many years. And I will tell you, every time that I sit down at this control board and every time I key this microphone, I put myself behind that desk where Johnny Carson was, and I think, how would Johnny do this? And I actually put myself in that position when I'm interviewing someone, and I try to use the techniques that I learned by watching Johnny Carson. He was an immense talent. He really was. I remember seeing him in Las Vegas one time. Uh, In fact, his warm-up act was Doc Severinsen. He was playing at the Sahara, and the audience sitting behind me was uh, one of the great comedians of all time, Buddy Hackett, and there was a little playing uh, from the audience uh, with Buddy Hackett that was certainly not planned, and he handled it with such finesse, such professionalism, and still had all the comedic lines in place. He was absolutely a genius at what he did. And, you know, most recently, and you've heard me say this on the year before, I have become a business partner, and my best friend is uh, Ed McMahon. And Ed was always amazed at the fact that I could sit down for hours on end and talk about just about every episode of The Tonight Show because I think I saw all of them. And of course, now that the tapes and the DVDs are out, you know, I watch them over and over and over again. And in some instances, we joke around about it. I would even correct Ed sometimes. You know, Ed, I think it really happened this way, you know. But the reason I'm saying this is because. I just want to pay tribute to a guy that had a massive influence on what I do for a living. And I'm not the only one. There are many people in the broadcasting business that were influenced and were actually given the uh, incentive to do what they do because of his work and his art. But there's another segment of the audience that were influenced by Mr. Carson, and that's just the general public. They were influenced by his clothes, by his style, by his comedy, by his class, and that is another segment that uh, is not part of the entertainment business that was affected by watching him every night. It's a genre that uh, will never be repeated again, because uh, like Elvis Presley, they always say there'll never be another Elvis Presley. Well, I guarantee you, there'll never be another Johnny Carson, because Johnny Carson was a lot of things, but the one thing that he was, and it's the most supreme compliment, Johnny Carson was the best.
1: You know, he's still the boss. Yeah, you know, I, absolutely. I still think of him as the boss. Yeah. I'll go to my grave, he'll be the boss. I mean, that's it. Oh, yeah.
0: That's great. Well, I want to tell you something. You... Uh both have uh, made me a very happy guy for joining me on the show today. I really want to be again. I didn't want to sound too syrupy, but it's but you tough.
2: won't be so happy when you get the
1: bill. Well, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's okay. The check is and, in the And mirror. Ed is yeah. good at that too. By the he way, will, we're all sorry care. about what happened with the limousine. It was not our fault. <laughs> we saw the truck falling, but we thought it was a movie stunt and it didn't think it was going to hit the limo, but it did, and we got out safely. But uh,
0: hey, look. What do you amongst friends? You know, you do those things. Sure, you know, that's you, right. But thank you so much for the thousands of. And 6,583 yeah. shows yeah. of the Tonight Show with uh, Ed McMahon, Doc Severinsen, and Johnny Carson. Guys, thanks so much. Pleasure, You're Ron. Thank you. Our very special guest on our show this week, Ed McMahon, Doc Severinsen, two of the greatest guys in this business who really are part of entertainment history. Right, let me give you some statistics when it comes to the Tonight Show, okay? Over 24,000 guests have appeared on the Tonight Show. Uh, Johnny asked over 200,000 questions of his guests. And the show has undergone seven set changes over the 30 years. Now, Johnny Carson's first job was back in 1949 at a Nebraska radio station where he earned $47.50 a week. Johnny Carson's starting salary on The Tonight Show back in 1962 was $100,000 a year. His salary in 1991 had been estimated at $20 million, and when he retired in 1992, his annual gross income is estimated to be $40 million. Now, Carson's salary in 1991 worked out to be about $2,380 for every minute he was on the air. And his last contract called for him to do 111 hour-long shows per year with 15 weeks paid vacation. Johnny Carson has been married four times, and, of course, uh, he is one of the major celebrities in the entertainment business. And now to conclude our tribute to Johnny Carson on this portion of our show, I've asked Ed McMahon to do something that he's actually done on his radio show this week. And when he did it, it hit me so emotionally that uh, I requested and he so graciously agreed to do it on my show. So this is Ed McMahon signing off Our portion of a tribute to Johnny Carson. And when you hear this, it's bound to bring a little mist to your eye.
1: And for all the angels,
0: here's
2: Johnny.